0: Hello, students, and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm joined by writer, actor, stuntman, professional wrestler, and co founder of Funhouse, James Wilms. And today we're talking about Chris Claremont's 2001 Extreme X Men number one through four. Hello, James. Hello, John. Oh, excuse me, Professor. Yes, thank you. Mm I appreciate it. I worked really hard for this made-up degree. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you ready to talk about X-Men, my good friend? I'm ready to get extreme about (laughs)
1: X-Men, okay? And that's without the E in front. That's an X, okay?
0: In in case you're wondering what era we're in, it's 2001, Uh and stuff has just X at the front of it, and it's cool.
1: Well, also things were just extreme, too. It's like they discovered that word (laughs) around (laughs) this time period.
0: We discovered extreme right before we discovered the word epic, and then everything Mm -hmm. was epic. And Mm -hmm. I don't know where we're at now other than everything is hard and sad.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We don't have a positive term to describe anything because of how drab things are.
0: But it's not drab here in the world of X-Men because we get to read about amazing creatures and view some beautiful art. But first, I want to hear from you um, what... How would you describe your background in comics and just specifically your, like, introduction and experience with X-Men?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I would say the two kind of go hand in hand. Uh, I think I probably fell in love with X-Men at the same time I gained, like, an appreciation for comics. Like, my first foray into comic collecting was X-Men comics. Um, and so... Um, It's interesting because I I had a um, my mom had a friend, an older woman uh, from when she was younger, who became like a surrogate, like aunt grandmother to myself and my brother. And the thing she would always do is for birthdays and for holidays, she'd send a single comic. She didn't have a lot of money, but she'd go out to a store and buy a single comic And it it was something I always appreciated, but even at the time was like, like, there's what can you do with a single comic?
0: (laughs) Were they even like, was it the same title in numerical succession? No, she just went to,
1: she just would go to whatever local, you know, store or whatever and be like, all right, grab this thing and then send it along. Like nine, nine times out of 10, I was like, I don't even know what this is like, (laughs) or, or it'd be death of Superman a hundred times. But uh, but yeah, so like it its interesting. But that I, I distinctly remember, like, when anytime I think about comics and actually having physical issues of comics, I think about that. And then I also think about the time I went to my first comic book convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. My mom took my brother and I, and it was literally—it was literally just like a small, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina hotel ballroom. Um, and you, no cosplay, none of that stuff. It was just, um, booths and booths, tables and stuff set up and you could just go and and surf through their bins of comic books and stuff like that. And I just really loved X-Men at the time. So I just looked for anything that had X-Men number one, first qualifier, secondary qualifier gambit and, uh, (laughs) and ended up walking away from that convention. I remember with, uh, uncanny X-Men number one, like the, famous uh the most famous image of the x-men jim lee i believe right oh
0: so that that was actually adjective list it was x-men number one x-men number one
1: okay um so but they had they made find good find they made like three four four of them okay so there were four of them that each each had a different part of that cover yeah i believe but they it was all the same issue. Own, but th- yeah, and I and I didn't. I was just like, oh, I'll grab these four. And then I came home and I read the first one, and then I was like, huh. <laughs> and then and then I read the next one. I was like, okay. And then I
0: checked them, checked the last two. And I was like, all right. Well, I, at least I got them. I got the whole thing. <laughs> you learned your lesson. Yeah, yeah. in Invariant covers exactly. That's so good. Well, I'm extra happy hearing that you liked Gambit, that he showed up in this story. I didn't mean for him to show up, but I always like when he shows up as well. Yeah, well, um,
1: you, I don't know how much we want to get into what we're going to be talking about today, but like when you, because you gave me a couple options. You're like, "What? what's Yeah, I try to run? get my guests. Are you yeah. interested in reading to discuss? And I, I immediately said Extreme X-Men because I had never read the issues before, but it was probably the last time I caught up on the X-Men that wasn't Ultimate X-Men. So, like, I remember being in college and going, like, what are those dang old X-Men up to? (laughs) Yeah. And they had, like, the Marvelpedia or whatever that you could go to, which was, like, a Wikipedia for Marvel Comics, and it would do its best to try and translate comic book storylines. And I was like, oh, Gambit's my guy. Let's see what he's been up to. And I'm not going to spoil it, but I was like, oh, oh, okay well he's all right okay good to know good to know and then uh and that was all part that was all like within the extreme x-men was like is about as far as i got to that so
0: interesting interesting well i i'm glad you picked this as well because one it is one of my um favorites from when i was still going to the brick and mortars and buying the physical copies back in california when i lived there Um, and I hadn't returned to it since then. And so I had, which is often the case with some of these stories that I pick for these episodes. And so I'm often just crossing fingers that it wasn't just like rose colored eyes back in the day of just like, um, you know, not having any idea of what good taste was or what good writing was. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I I was pretty happy with the results of how this turned out. I mean, it helps that it was penned by chris claremont who is um not exactly a novice at writing the x-men um we've covered him a lot in this show because frankly he's written the x-men a lot um at one point 16 years in a row
1: i was gonna say was this like his like third big run on which how which number was this for him
0: it's hard to say which like which time this was him returning back because you you talked about x-men number one and that was actually his Mm -hmm. exit his first exit um and this was actually almost an exit. Um, what happened was that he was actually writing um, the main two titles, Uncanny X-Men and Adjectiveless, Um, But he was running into some uh, g- creative issues with the at-the-time uh, editor-in-chief. Um, I think it was Bill Jamez. Um, and so Joe Quesada, who has uh, had just been appointed as editor-in-chief of... Uh, Marvel? I guess Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically told Chris, he's like, hey, we are going to do a, a, this whole like relaunch of the X-Men just to kind of like um, fix some like bad sales numbers. Um, some of Chris's like stories had kind of lost their path a little bit. And so, but he was like, I guess out of like respect to Chris or wh- or whatever reason he told Chris, he's like, um, you can either write one of the x-men titles or you can write a third party one a third one that you make up on your own mm-hmm. and so chris didn't want to just write one of the main titles so he opted to get make his own second one um, or his third one that would kind of finish out some of the plots he'd opened up in the the ones prior to this which is what we're jumping into because you can kind of feel it's almost like a little bit of a cold open at the beginning of number one mm-hmm. um and so he, he, he decided to call it Extreme X-Men, and this was when Grant Morrison took over and started New X-Men, um, which is also one of my favorite runs of X-Men ever. Um, and actually, we covered it with Jeff Ramsey, that one. Gotcha. Uh, so this was probably Chris's, like, third foray, fourth foray into the X-Men. Um, funny enough, this is from 2001 and um, uh, finished in around, what was it, 2004. Um and just this 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 year, yeah, I think this year, 2023, the year of our Lord, Chris Claremont is writing Extreme X Men Volume Two, um, and uh, and they've they've re- there's another Extreme X Men story going on right now um, that he's writing. Which so, which time, let me tell time you, is a circle.
1: When I was trying, because when I was like, all right, I guess I should pick up these issues. How can I? You do almost that? grabbed it's the wrong ones. I, I was like I was like I know these are the wrong ones. <laughs> how do I find and confirm the right surprisingly hard to do surprisingly yeah. hard to confirm that you're buying the right volume of extreme yes. X-Men
0: you have to that's why in like all of my stuff I tried to tell people like the year so mm-hmm. if anything look for the year because yeah there are seven versions of Adjective X- X-Men mm-hmm. you know there's you know that have restarted numberings Um, and so it's It can get confusing. Comics in general are very confusing to get into, which is why I like to make this show, to try to give people who listen to it an opportunity to actually jump in with some knowledge and feel like they are not just kind of uh, drifting out uh, into the sea of X-Men. And this one is actually fun because... I knew that the comic extreme X-Men had been broken down into like arcs. And so issues one through four, are the first arc, but it doesn't actually fully wrap up. So I feel like this is a good, like a uh, appetizer for people to get into and then see how the story ends. Does Vargas get his just desserts? Do they find destiny's diaries and all that kind of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And you have to just keep reading to find out. Um, so uh, off the bat, before I get into any more other context of like what was going on in the story prior or anything like these characters, I'm curious if right off the bat you have any questions about th- these characters that you were jumping into right from the get go. Was was there anybody that like you fully were like I've never heard of this person in my life, or was there any any instance where you're like they've changed? Why are they like this now with uh, these characters?
1: Well, the good thing is I feel like it starts out with a pretty like solid bunch of characters like again especially given my where i kind of fell in love with the x-men um you know like the only the only one was sage had never heard of sage before um and then thunderbird i was like i was like well i there was a thunderbird if i'm not mistaken
2: Correct. (laughs) correct um
1: and i and then eventually they did cross that they like covered that um so i but those are the only two characters that kind of uh were introduced to me and i did know that there was the introduction of like a new villain in this series i believe right this is his first at vargas's first appearance yes yeah i knew i knew he was like the big bad of the series and uh and again a lot of it was like flooding back i would uh, because i the early internet days Back then, when I was like trying to read summaries online, you'd be like, "Yeah, you'd read it, and then, but like with all comic summaries, you're like, I wish I could see it too, and uh, and so you. It's almost and, like it's a visual media, almost, yeah. And so I try and Google imagery, or there'd be like one low resolution re- resolution image, and I was like, okay, slick back hair, trench coat, that's Vargas. I remember that. Got it. I, I remember he has a sword. That, okay, got it. Um, <laughs> but everyone, everyone else was like, I felt it was a good first issue that number one is like really good because you're like okay x-men on a mission i know all them this is great and then from there it kind of it looks like it's splintering out into its own identity
0: yeah but you're i think you nailed it where like um this is still from an era where they would often start series if not every single issue with kind of a recap because they know that they're they, they actually like the writers knew that someone's weird uh Uh, aunt who's not their real aunt might give somebody a random issue and like they're like well maybe we'll give them a a chance to actually know what's going on with an introduction at the beginning Um, they don't do it as much now in fact they it's usually just one page that's kind of like the credits page and has like a list of the characters in this issue and a little bit of a summary of what happened prior like an actual just paragraph
2: this Um,
1: this was a fun because it's been a long time since I've read like these trade comics Right. Like Mm -hmm. I still read graphic novels and stuff all the time, but like or even manga. Um, But manga is very different. Like the the confidence of telling one story in its in its audience to follow that story is seems very different than comics for most of comics run. And Hmm. I I wonder why I wonder if it's like less confidence in the audience's ability to retain that information or because they are they don't want people to go. Maybe there's less of a process for like volumizing things and then getting people to buy from number one on and they just want people to jump in anywhere, like jump on yeah. to, the, to the thing. But it it is funny because it, while this is incredibly written, it's so funny to have gone through the first five issues and every single time it's like, that's Storm. she controls the weather you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm like yeah i got
0: it 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 is it is true there are there are like i almost can be able to visually like map out where i need to start reading Mm -hmm. from like what the recaps are still going on it's kind of like uh hitting the skip the recap button when you're watching a a tv show on a streaming app that kind of thing because it's 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 very much like the ron swanson of just like i know more than you move on yeah for sure I, yes, I'm aware of what her abilities are. Thank you very much. She's been around since 1975. I know who this woman is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, you never know. Again, like they, they know that like especially in, like during this era, it was still like they are gearing this towards a younger audience and these and so random kids might pick this up. Um, but I will help you there with your, I think you called out exactly who you were confused by and you should be confused by Sage because this was the first introduction of her as Sage and the beginning of a retcon that Chris Claremont created about her because she's a character that's actually been around since like the 70s, maybe 80s, Um, but she was originally called Tessa. Mm. Um, She was originally introduced as kind of like the assistant to Sebastian Shaw, who was um, a member of the Hellfire Club, the like uh, secret rich people society that controls governments and that kind of thing. Now they um, just have fashion
1: shows, right? <laughs>
0: they do. They do. It's an annual Hellfire Gala. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an opportunity for Marvel to employ a bunch of homosexuals to design uh, great costumes for these characters and then draw them in beautiful colors. I love it. Um, it's, it's very good. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, Google Hellfire Gala and specifically look for Russell Dotterman's uh, artwork. Amazing artist. Um, but she kind of like, she wasn't really much of a character for very long, uh, for like very much stuff. Like she was just kind of his assistant. She had some, you know, maybe one or two lines, that kind of thing to the era. But this is um, a retcon where they explained it actually like an issue like two or three or something like that, where she is now one of professor xavier's first students like uh brought on at the same time gene grave was but instead of you know asked to come join the xavier school for gifted youngsters and be a part of like you know the blue and yellow costumed x-men team she was employed as a spy for xavier and uh was working inside the hellfire club as a spy the whole time and so i don't actually know why they changed her name to sage um but it's what she's been going by since 2001 she's still a member of like the team and very important and that kind of thing um and i think as far as like mutant abilities it's kind of i actually i'm curious from these four issues can you tell me what her powers are
1: she's like a human computer she's like uh like she like it seems like she stores information uh the same way a computer would and can index said information the same way a computer could. And like all X-Men, they use that term extremely liberally <laughs> to make her achieve kind of like whatever goals she needs to. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Her yes, I you actually nailed it. Um I've always thought of like the definition of of Sage's powers as being a little loosey-goosey. Um, but generally speaking, the one thing they do stick to um is that she her brain is a computer. They call it cyberpathy. Um, and she's able to recall things with perfect clarity. She can process things faster than supercomputers, um, and so she often is uh, the woman in the chair um, with a bunch of monitors in front of her, and she's just kind of compiling and figuring out data and, and playing stratagems and that kind of thing. Um, she has some other powers which show up that they really haven't explored much recently with, but she's able also to map... The genetics of any mutant um and with that is able to see the potential for other mutations and other uh avenues of their genetics and is able to even like trigger some of that and you see some of that happening in issue three um, when she visits beast Um, but actually her most notable use of it actually this was a pretty notable thing because you wouldn't know this without reading new X-Men, but the, when she does that to Beast, she maps out like his genetics to try to use that to heal him. That's when that he started looking like the cat version of beast. Um, and he looks like that in Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Um, and, uh, she actually most notably used it a while from now to finally fix rogue. Um, Whose powers are even more she doesn't awry? Need to be fixed, John. She doesn't need to be fixed. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're you're right. You're right. Um, to to upgrade Rogue, how about thank you. that? Thank you. Um, and uh, and now because of her, Rogue has full and complete control over her powers, and it's fantastic. It's a good. It, it it they they didn't jump the gun on it. She had mixed up powers for like thirty plus years, so it was about time. Yeah um okay well that's the that, sage is, is is definitely uh confusing um th- what you need to know with the x-men of why they're running off and on this own little party of theirs instead of like working with xavier is because um what had just happened previously was the onslaught saga mm-hmm. now do you know what the onslaught saga i do is, yeah
1: yeah i do because i've played uh marvel vs. capcom
0: correct he was accused of boss in that Yep. and uh, lots marvel, of lore and in marvel that game. puzzle
1: quest so i do know that if you <laughs> get eight purple he can go invisible but if you match the trap tile it will create a very powerful attack tile so be mindful Let's of
2: that just
0: looking at the clock 20 minutes 41 seconds before you were able to bring in marvel puzzle quest i appreciate it helps
1: that. honestly it's as silly as it sounds playing that marvel puzzle quest game i'm like every single time they introduce something new and Crazy in the MCU. I was like, yeah, I know who that is.
0: Hey, who's Wheel Guy? Who's this guy? Yeah,
2: yeah. That's um, Big Wheel.
0: That's Big Wheel. Um, yes. And so uh, Onslaught was this big s- crossover event where basically this creature was the amalgamation of Professor X and Magneto. And he was a big baddie that had kind of like the combined powers of them both. And he was like super evil and huge and had a really cool, sharp costume, looked almost like, um, super shredder from, uh, turtles Two, Um, but giant. And, uh, and so, but basically that was, it was all Xavier's fault was onslaught. And so the X-Men really weren't trusting him. And since they were on this quest to get destiny's diaries, destiny being Irene Adler, the wife of mystique, um, and they knew that they had just found out about the Destiny's Diaries during um, a, uh, a a second assassination attempt on Senator Robert Kelly, um, that was tried by a Mystique but foiled by the X Men. So they found out that these diaries existed, and so that's why this like this extreme crew of the X Men were going off to find the diaries without Professor X because they didn't quite trust his brain to be okay with having access to thirteen books that tell the entire history of mutant of mutant kind. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of power in that. Um, and it and, felt like it
1: felt like that was like a conscious decision that Storm was making, kind of as the leader of that group. Because yeah. there was a little bit of like that was revealed to some of the other members that they were like, "We're doing what? Why? Are, why can't yeah. we talk to Charles about this?" Right.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like the X Men often have like this agreement with each other, kind of like um, uh, what's the Ben Affleck. Bank robbery movie, The Town, mm-hmm. um, where it's kind of like going up to your friend and going, I can't tell you why, but mm-hmm. I need your help yeah. and I need you to not ask questions. Like, that's how X Men are, yeah. um, especially if it's Storm. Like, if Storm goes, We have a mission, I can't tell you what it is, but you need you to trust me. I trust her with my life.
1: And, and she controls
0: uh-huh. the weather, correct? <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and sometimes it's lightning, in case you forget that she yeah, controls yeah, lightning. Yeah. It's very important. Um, but yeah, so that was what yeah they're kind of like and and this was like um this issue one is them unveiling that whole thing to the audience for the first time too like no one knew this is what was going to be going on so we're all as you're reading issue one you feel like you might be missing out on some it's because like the, the the book is actually unfolding itself as it goes um but yeah other than that you called out that there's a thunderbird in here that doesn't look like the thunderbird that you know of Mm -hmm. um it's because he's not and it's confusing when comics do this where they give someone the same name as someone else but they're not the same person and sometimes not even like the same power set um i don't know why he's he has no connection to the original thunderbird who was introduced in giant size x-men in 1975 and died two issues later um he's because that was a uh you know first nation member of like Was he Cheyenne or is that Moonstar? But he was part of a tribe. Mm -hmm. He has like uh, physical powers of like speed and strength and all that kind of stuff. Whereas this individual who's going by Thunderbird, he's from India Mm -hmm. and he has um, plasma fire powers um, and is dating uh, Betsy Braddock, who's still at this point going under the pseudonym Psylocke. Mm -hmm. She's not anymore. That's why I bring that up. Um, And this is when she's still in her... Uh, Japanese body um, if uh, and and she has a interesting tattoo on her face um, that is a cause of she actually got killed al- almost killed previously by saber tooth, and then angel went into some weird magic place to save her and she came out with that scar so that's why she has the weird scar if you've never been you've been like has that always been on silic I haven't ever noticed that it's not always on her but other than that um, that's kind of like the pickup so like Issue one is the whole introduction of everything and they're setting on the hunt uh, in this like picturesque Spanish uh, city, Valencia, I think is what it's yeah. called. Yeah. And they get um, assaulted by the Valencian military group um, or military police or police, whatever Guardia they want to call them. Guardia or whatever. Guardia. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the whole start of all the action is that they're, you know, uh, this, this, unknown person vargas we know who it was tipped them off and they all get taken down really quick but they fail to take down rogue and sage who rogue at this time if it seems odd why she's having an issue with her powers and the way she is it's because okay this is the part where it makes me sound silly because i have to talk through the weird stuff of x-men um but she recently came across a alien scroll do you know who the scrolls are
1: i do yes
0: Describe the scrolls. the
1: The scrolls are an alien species that can impersonate. They're basically like yeah. shapeshifters, and they and they correct. They and I believe I believe preceding this, there was a major arc where it turns out that there were a lot of scrolls pe- characters that you thought you knew for decades, maybe were actually being impersonated by the scroll in a, in an invasion.
0: Um, that sounds like something that they might turn into a TV series. Maybe, maybe. I wonder if the Samuel Jackson will come back for that. yeah secret invasion happened like 2000 like late 2000s okay um and uh and she came across it was a it was during a different like big old event and there was a special scroll that used her powers by touching her to she wanted to give her this information that she needed to have but in doing so she also boosted rogues powers because she had like the scroll had like weird telepathic powers and she basically made it that rogue now can't uh none of anybody she absorbs, they don't go away at all. She's they, they just are catalogued. And she has somewhat some control over like recalling them. Um but it's why like she wears the glasses because she absorbs Cyclops and sometimes his optic blasts come out and she can't control it. Um and it's why like, you know, she's popping Wolverine's bone claws. Um she at one point uh, you know, has gateways powers when they have that little visit with gateway um and so yeah so you know it's hard to take down rogue at any time but especially now when she has like all the powers under the sun um there's and, uh, and- there's
1: a certain aspect of reading x-men that's really funny because it reminds me of playing f- like pretend with like other kids as a child absolutely uh, and, and 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 like for me, I would be like, all right, what are my character's strengths and weaknesses, and how does yeah, that yeah, yeah. make playing pretend fun? But then there's another care- kid who goes, "I have bulletproof skin," and I go, and they, or go, or you're like, you're like, oh no, the sun's coming out, we can't. He's like, I'm, I manifested a shield. I'm like, we never just, I'm like an eight year old going, we never discussed this power, <laughs> like it's, and there's a certain aspect of this <laughs> where it's like, like that rogue aspect that you're describing, yeah. her, her going like well where where would gambit have gone she's like he's in me sugar i like, <laughs> he would have gone out the window and i'm like all right that, that was pretty convenient writing that was very
0: convenient <laughs> she um uh gamers would call her buffed
2: at this point, oh, yeah needing of a nerf yeah yeah
0: um yeah there actually is a really cool moment later on in the X- extreme x-men where um She basically alts, if I had to use another gaming terminology. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like the team has to do two tasks, and they send all the team but her for the one task, and then she's the other task. Like both tasks required like a small army to, you know... Uh, accomplish, and they're like, "Hey, Rogue, you're you're one small army. You go do that." And there's some really cool art that goes with it because like it's super fun when you get to do this with Rogue because you get to like you'll see her using Colossus's organic steel skin and she'll get big like the Hulk and that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's it's pretty fun. I love Rogue's always been my favorite, and this is I think this is probably why I liked Extreme X Men is because they really focus on her a lot in this. Mm-hmm. Um you know and then gambits also there and i always like it when there's rogan gambit stuff um but yeah all that really happens in this first issue is it's like an introduction of all that they get captured all the while they're also like giving a little bit flashbacks because they know this is a cold open and so they're like you know using thunderbird as the questioner of like why are we doing this and then they all get to answer sage gets to you know uh, give some exposition and that kind of thing and talk about destiny and her diaries and everything like that, which by the way, um, I, you, you have some X-Men, you know, knowledge is, is destiny somebody you are familiar with, even though she's not really, wasn't really in the comics for a long time.
1: O- only in the context of her and mystique is the only thing that I know.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause she was dead at this point and, and was dead for the majority of like our physical lives. Mm-hmm. You and me, James, um, and just recently got brought back because of resurrection comics. abilities because of comics. Of comics. Well, <laughs> that's the funny thing is that like, I still love reading old issues like this because it's still fun to read the build up to deaths. Some are better done than others. Um, but I do remember when I read this because you know, I guess I wasn't as jaded as I could be at one point when uh, in issue two, which you know if you read you get to this that you know when Vargas fights Psylocke and he kills her and, and she is dead for a bit not super long but a bit I remember being like you know because I, I have to remind people when uh when I'm doing this show because like you said you went and bought the trade digital trade and so you have all you know 46 issues to read through at your will it's like you know Netflix dropping a whole series and you can just binge the whole thing but I read this while it was going coming out. And so when I read that issue, I had to wait a month to find out like, wait, is she dead dead? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And so it's like, it builds up a lot of tension. Um, and so I can still recall a little bit of that, but yes. Um, I don't know if you, ha- you probably haven't kept up on any current X-Men stuff, James, correct? No, no, not at all. L- Long story short, they kind of like Jonathan Hickman, the great writer. He looked at the whole, like, yeah, you, you called out, you know, when comic characters die, they really die unless they're like not really important characters. You know, you say it yourself death of Superman. How long did that guy stay dead. Yeah. Not very long. <laughs> um, he's a little bit too important for DC comics to stay dead, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, they now through this combination of these five mutants, they call them like when they combine mutant powers, like they call it a circuit. So there's a circuit that is the five and they now all the mutants live on this Island Krakoa and they are able to resurrect all mutants anytime they want through the combination of these five powers. Um, and so that's why Destiny's back. But at this point, destiny's dead. Um, and, uh, everyone's looking for her diaries that they actually finally expanded on this in the modern comics and a great comic that actually I'd even suggest to you, James, if you ever want to get back into X-Men is this great comic called immortal X-Men, um, written by Kieran Gillen and, uh, destiny kind of recalls like what it was where she was actually born with the ability to see, but then when her mutant powers manifested, she went blind, but now could see the future. And she kind of like when they manifested, she kind of went into this big old fugue state and wrote and like nonstop wrote 13 books of all these few, you know, these potential timelines and futures um, and wrote them all down. And that's the diaries that they're going for. Make sense.
1: Yep. Makes sense.
0: I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to uh, recall all that and tell me what I just said back to me, just so I know. Like you you're, said, you're...
1: you said Destiny was born. <laughs> she could see, but uh, but then when her powers manifested, she went blind and she went into a fugue state and wrote all these books that she barely even remembers writing. And right. uh, there were 13 of them, and they they basically foretell the future.
0: Yes, and okay. one of them
1: has a really nice drawing of uh, not half naked. I would say 90% naked Gambit um <laughs> splayed out on a
0: on a large <laughs> pentagram table which is like that's the uh the boyfriend of her future actually the husband of her future uh, adopted daughter
1: yes <laughs> yes just, are just you telling me i know that i'm telling <laughs> uh, yeah 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 yeah
0: <laughs> um but yeah that's all that really happens in this uh like we said they they get attacked and captured by the the spanish government um and there's even a like you said there's like you know these like too much exposition for people who know these who these people are there's even one panel one page where like in the middle is the the head security guy and then surrounding him is four panels that's just kind of like showing the visual history of the X Men and he's talking about you know these X Men and who they are and that is definitely a page where it's like yeah. I know who they are. It, yes, you don't. Yeah, there's a okay. certain
1: there's a certain artistry that comes with writing comics like this because you're carrying the weight of like like four decades while you're writing the thing that you're writing that you only have 21 pages to do or whatever. And it is yeah. really funny because that's why you introduce characters like Diego, um, <laughs> and then you yeah. basically let him answer questions for a bunch of other people. It, yeah, there, there it can be jarring, like especially if you're looking for just a straight like I just wanted. I, this years ago i was like you know what i never read age of apocalypse i'm gonna go back and read age of apocalypse i found the reading list because it's of course yeah. s- strewn across a bunch of different series and yeah I, like
0: seven titles
1: and i was familiar with it because i again had read like wikipedia summaries and everything and then i went back in and i was like oh boy we're spending a lot of time at angels club like are i don't remember this from the wiki like there's we've been here for a really long time um and uh and that's kind of sometimes what you have to prepare yourself for with comics like it's it's like if you're reading a normal story but in the back of a van that's going down a hill like like a bumpy hill like you're like just kind of getting thrown around in the back and you're like oh i got something there okay i got something here and, and getting into this definitely reading these issues definitely reminded me of that the good thing is your mind catches up very quickly and you have a, yeah in this particular run especially you have such amazing art to accompany everything that you're just like absorbing it all but it is yeah it is definitely a, a learned style of reading
0: yeah it and, and this is and chris claremont this is like his style mm-hmm. that he he writes um and he's also been writing x-men since 1975 and so um i'm sure he himself is tired of explaining who the x-men are but he knows he has to mm-hmm. uh because marketing says if you don't do that people tune out of the comics um so uh yeah it's uh it's i'm i'm glad for like you know reasons like this show they do that kind of stuff but yes i'm you know 38 years old and i've been reading comics since i was seven i i don't need this anymore but um you know like i said comics are so confusing and if you don't explain to people like what these characters are while you are familiar with who storm is with psylocke even though you might be familiar with her you might be confused by like what state her powers are and at this point because she is conventionally someone with psychic powers telepathy and then has that psychic knife that usually like when she like has that kind of fist um you know motion and there's a big old pink psychic knife around it she's not using that at this time she's using telekinesis and has turned it all into a telekinetic katana um because she had a fight with one of the most powerful telepaths in the world the shadow king and in the end of the fight she was able to trap him in her brain but if she ever uses her telepathy again he gets out so now she just all focuses on telekinesis um so uh, and they don't even explain all that, but they at least explain like, you know, oh, she's she's honing her like there's one panel that uh, where she's like flying across a bunch of soldiers she's fighting. And they're explaining that, like, you know, her katana can cut through anything no matter what, you know, as long as her will is strong and that kind of thing. And it's the same like page that, you know, the, for the first time, uh, Thunderbird is charging a bishop. And so they kind of help you understand like bishop's powers of absorption of energy and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely issue one is like a lot of introduction, um, and also getting you used to this, this new space there with this, with Spain, um, and setting up a, a, you know, secret new villain
2: previously on X-Men.
0: Hello and welcome back to an extreme episode of Class of X. As always, a big thank you to our top supporters of this podcast. Those of you on the Patreon who have decided that you need to monetarily support a crazed man talk what can only be described as too much about the X-Men with his friends. Um, you guys, you're honestly the best. And um, to be frank, the main reason I'm able to produce this show. So a special thank you to our newest patrons, uh, godimus 74 Josh Smith, and Michael Olson. Um, I hope you never leave and are bound to this show for eternity. Um, that's not really a joke, but it sounds like it could be. And thank you to everyone who interacts with the show on a social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Class of X Pod, and also as of this week on Tumblr, because I mean, Tumblr's actually back to being super fun and just a great place for fandom. So um, if you want to just see me post silly X Men images and memes and jokes, um, go follow us there. It's fun. Um, I hope you're enjoying uh, this episode with James. He's just the best, and I'm so glad I got to have him for this um, show. Uh, Up next, we will have uh, a good friend of mine and content creator, Jacob Fullerton, on to talk about some X-Men in space. We're gonna go over a story about the Shi'ar, which is an alien race that was made for the X-Men comics. Um, That includes people like Professor Xavier's alien queen girlfriend, Lilandra, the Macron crystal, Uh, you'll hear more about what that is soon and the star jammers who are basically like Han Solo and Chewbacca if they lived in the X-Men world Um, and after that we will have Joel Rubin um, a good friend of mine and fellow uh, producer and content creator on to talk about the fall of the mutants which is an extremely important story from the X-Men history about the death of the X-Men or the maybe death of the X, you know, they don't actually die because they're still making X-Men comics, but it's still dramatic and fun. Um, and it's from the 80s, which is a great era of the X-Men. Um, I'm also trying to sneak in an episode soon with Steven Spawn um, or anybody who will be on with me to talk about the high evolutionary. He's going to be like a new character introduced in the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And I thought it'd be really fun if I could like give you guys a prep on this weird character through the lens of an interaction he once had with the X-Men. Um, other than that, I want to say thank you to everyone who's subscribes and listens to the show and i hope you find it in you to either i don't know leave a review somewhere for the show or tell a friend um i love this show it is my passion project and honestly my goal is to grow it as much as i can to make the x-men community even better than it already is um so thanks and let's get back to it um but we can kind of jump to the next issue and go to number two because that was probably the most beefy of the uh issues where they're continuing through this like maze that the spanish government is testing them um giving some more backstory there's like a flashback with rogue and storm and that kind of thing um but then after they do a bunch of like maze fights and puzzles and that kind of thing that's when rogue finally gets a like a lead on where they are and starts their first fight with vargas what did you think of vargas as a villain
1: um it's tough i feel like he he looks pretty plain uh, honestly like yeah his design isn't really flashy it's not really flashy and it i feel like that's intentional because all of the the art style switch for this whole run is all like everyone's wearing leather jackets everything's like slick like you know span it's always spandex but it's like very slick everything has a wetness and everyone's hair is wet and matted back and everything and then he's all shiny. like he's like the culmination of shininess like he's got a shiny <laughs> uh clingy tank top he's got a shiny clingy trench coat he's got hair that is just the exact tones of the whole comic book, like the blue and the black yeah. like, to slick back. Like he has the giant jaw. Like he doesn't really have an identity the same way you might hope a villain. Like when you compare him to like a Magneto, it's like not even a competition, sure. but, uh, but I almost feel that works for him as the embodiment of this story's villain. Kind of like he, he is 2001. In, in like in, in some visual form.
0: If this had been made in 2001, he would probably have been played by Steven Seagal or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and I, I think they were trying to like also make him mysterious um, mm-hmm. and, and subtle, um, which leads to a less than glamorous design of costume uh, compared to especially other members of like the X-Men villain group. Like you, you called out like Magneto's got quite a look and Mr. Sinister and Apocalypse and Juggernaut. They're all colorful and have a lot of accessories and accents to their costumes. And he's like, yeah, he's like black trench coat, um, Spanish, uh, elitist looking guy. Um, he also, and
1: he's, he also like in terms of like his power, I think some of the more creative, things are like what happens when you put someone like Wolverine against someone like Magneto? Like, how does that fight take place? And he kind of what we were discussing is also kind of a culmination of that kid in the playground who said, No, you didn't hit me, I have invisible <laughs> skin. He is that kid in the like, playground. He 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 is he's that like they they even in that first conflict or whatever it's like i don't understand i tried to hit him and it just doesn't work and he's like yes and it won't work because of this that we should switch up our technique and he goes that won't work either like there's some mind games that he plays with gambit in like issue four or five or whatever and it's like yeah it's very i don't know how much you've ever watched jojo's bizarre adventure or whatever. I had
0: not not checked out any of it, but it, I know there's a character like that you're talking well, about. Well,
1: ever almost every conflict is like like oh, I need to cross this guy in the street, and it's like, hey, let me cross, and then the guy goes, no, I won't let you cross, and he go, I knew you wouldn't let me cross, <laughs> which is why I don't need to cross the street, and he goes, I knew you knew I would, and it's that's the whole thing. And Vargas has has big that energy.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. It's very true. He is like there's like literally moments where it's just like Rogue has super strength and super speed and he's like, "But I have more super yeah. strength and super speed." Yeah. It's like, "Huh?" Yeah. Um, I mean that's that's a common like with uh, the it, it's a common problem with these comics, especially these long dynasty comics where as the comics have you know progressed and evolved the characters often progress and evolve and even get stronger and they flesh out their powers anymore i mean we're talking about like when they first introduced magneto he was like you know stopping bullets with his magnetism and and concentrating really hard and he could he could make himself fly and now he's like you know considered an omega level mutant and has like complete and utter control over all of the the magnetic spectrum and mm-hmm. and everything like that like um and so with that comes a problem of like all right what new villain can we make that will actually be able to deal with these demigods mm-hmm. um and yeah like even this like team of people that they made for the extreme x-men it's stacked it's fully stacked i mean when like your weakest person is Beast, and and he's just mostly like there for some physical abilities and and sciencey you know stuff. But when you've got like Storm and Bishop and Rogue, you know it's like, who is going to be able to deal with all of them at their best? Um, and yeah, you got to write the kid in, the, in in your neighborhood who's like, nope, yeah. I'm faster and have a sword that can cut through you. And it's like, what, well, what's his mutant power? And he's like, I don't have one.
2: <laughs> it's true.
0: <laughs> they don't even like, I sometimes, you know, especially returning to these things, you can tell sometimes authors wanted to set up something that could have been fleshed out more, but no one really picked it up. No other authors, no other writers mm-hmm. wanted to, like, kind of expand upon it. And so it didn't really become a thing. And while Vargas, you know, was an attempt at that, I can tell you and the readers that, like, this whole, uh, what, what does he call himself? Homo sapiens homo superior? Homo sapien superior. Yeah, yeah. Well, because, like, mutants are homo superior. Yeah, yeah. Um and so and humans are homo sapiens so he's like i'm homo sapiens superior and they kind of sort of explain it where it's like i i I looked it up even because i was even confused i'm like did they ever tell us who the hell vargas was or what his origin story is they don't really yeah um but the best way to explain him is like he's like captain america natty in that he was born that way um
1: yeah sure he was sure yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet that's what he says when they put the Instagram mic in his face or whatever. He goes, "Listen, dog, I'm. Na- listen, here's the thing. Well, here's what, you go up to Vargas, and you go, Vargas, natty or not, and then he doesn't say. He doesn't answer right away. That's your tell. Yeah, okay. He, he doesn't thinks. say. He doesn't say I'm 100 percent natty. He goes, people are always asking me, <laughs> am I natty or am I uh, a mutant? Or have I used some sort of super serum? People, you know, and I'm so tired of hearing it. Do you yeah, realize I'm how much I have to hear that? It's like <laughs> leave it alone, man. And it's like you didn't answer the question. You've you have been talking the for the last 15 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Um, but yes, uh, so Vargas is kind of like uh, he's just you know someone they put in the way of the extreme X Men finding mm-hmm. all the diaries, and he also like wants to. I think he. Um, he, he, he has this kind of like, he wants to prove that he's the best kind of thing. And so that's why he keeps pitting himself against the strongest ones. Like he wants to prove like my sword's better than yours. And so he kills Psylocke. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the next person he tries to fight is rogue because she's obviously the most, you know, the biggest powerhouse. And so he's, you know, he's, he, he's a big man trying to make himself, make sure people know that he's stronger than all the X-Men, um, which you know that's fine for a, a motivation, but at the end of it, when him and Psylocke do fight, um, and he kills her, and also leaves Beast almost in a state of like you know fatally wounded, mm-hmm. um, that that's kind of how they that like I I think that was like a pretty good way to get people hooked. As long as they stayed in for two issues, mm-hmm. then they're like, well, now I don't want to know how this this fully fleshes out. Because even like the third issue not a lot happens to like progress the story a ton. It's kind of, it's a little bit of a filler issue with a little bit of like a, some retrospective look at Psylocke's uh, history, um, which offered opportunities for like some more lore and like world building, like that whole interaction that when uh, like Sage is thinking about the past with uh, Psylocke and they have that little page where, you know, Psylocke is is kind of playing around with the Hellfire mm-hmm. Club, and 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 Sage like puts her in her place and turns her psychic abilities back on her and tells her to get away from this place. That didn't happen back in the seventies, mm-hmm. um, but Chris is like, well, now it has because I wrote it. It yeah. now has. You just didn't see it. Uh-huh. You weren't paying attention. It was just it was in between the pages. Yeah. If yeah. you got you just didn't you Subtext. just didn't notice it. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is fine because like that's that's a like i don't get mad about many retconning kind of things as long as it's like adding for you know it's adding to the character and not taking away or or kind of like taking a poo on someone's previous writing mm-hmm. um sometimes retconning can even help fix things that just were not done well by people who had weird ideas um uh, so it's it's and and after all this is chris claremont so honestly like if this man wants to say anything about these characters like yeah uh, other than like stan lee he's basically the one who created these characters Mm -hmm. um because like when he took over in 1975 right after giant size x-men number one he wrote for 16 years and introduced like you know he built storm storm is who she is because chris claremont wrote her that way um and so it's, it's, I think it was, it's kind of fun. And, and to like, I like to flag to readers that who are, you know, going through these the first time, like, these are like some of the first times that people get to learn this stuff. In, in even Destiny's Diaries, we don't know much about them at this point as like a fan base. And so this was learning what these diaries were, what is inside them, who might even have them. Um, and it's, I think that's a, I think that's a fun little plot device, Destiny's Diaries. Some might think it's like cheap. Um, you know, these special books that can tell the futures. Um, but I don't know. I've always liked the mystique and destiny stories. And this was a fun addition to that lore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Did you, did you have any disagreement with any of that or any thoughts? No,
1: no. I mean, I, again, I feel like you have to take, take all this with the understanding of like what it's trying to do. And it's, it's trying to assemble and like re-envision with new motivation, just a, a massive pile of plot and story and characters and like you said I'm totally fine with with a retcon if you can like reasonably see where it would land and it and it's also not even like any of the retcons in this are the convenient ways Of doing things like Mm -hmm. it almost it's almost like he made choices or he's like how can i make this more complex for myself and the plot you know (laughs) he's not just working himself out of corners by using some sort of lame retcon and i'm totally you can do whatever you want to like it's it's fun it's fun if you're not going to re, if you're not going to just restart the whole thing you might as well have fun with all of the baggage that you're carrying with these stories
0: it's true i i one you're you're I think you're hundred percent correct. Cause like the other route is the DC route basically where they restart their entire universe every like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the X-Men have never done it. Um, anytime that's happened, it's an alternate timeline that's only gone on for like a few months mm-hmm. um, like age of apocalypse or uh, days of future past or that kind of thing. Um, but uh, I, I actually th- agree with you that it's, it's kind of impressive when you're able to make it more complicated for yourself Cause it's like a valiant attempt as a writer. A great example is, uh, to talk about modern X-Men right now, they did a, with that whole like crack Cohen era that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Hickman took a huge swing at a big mm-hmm. retcon for a character that has been around since the sixties. And he basically made Moira McTaggart, who you might recognize that name. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she and was Charles even the, had
1: a little bit of the thing and yeah, uh, that's
0: correct. Yep. Um, but she was always since like the 1960s or maybe the 1970s is when she got introduced. But um, she was always like the ultimate human ally for the X-Men, this geneticist that, you know, was always looking out for mutant kind and, you know, like had, you know, romantic relationship with professor X and even helped, you know, certain parts of his school and that kind of thing. Well, Jonathan Hickman retconned her as a mutant this whole time and it's really impressive because if you go back and read all the instances of where Moira, you know, showed up in the comics, it almost perfectly fits, mm-hmm. which that's insane for you to be able to, because the the retcon is like, she was, she's been a secret mutant this whole time. Um, and there's more to it, but that in itself is like, well, that can't hold up if I read certain things. And if you go back, it's almost airtight. It's not completely. And he knew that I think when he was writing it. But I think it's what you're saying. It's like if you do these kind of retcons, you are putting yourself out there for criticism for people who are like, well, this retcon doesn't quite work because they said in issue number 44 that she likes blue and you say she likes purple. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: did, let, but, not to get too far off, but did did they, the reveal of her being a mutant, like the the implication of those powers be something very important or was it just like she has like a six inch tail that no one ever saw because she wears a lab coat
0: <laughs> that would have been so much lack like less lackluster than what the reality was but you know what that would have been interesting because i mean that that's not too hard. that's
1: not too hard she's always yeah, got the yeah, lab yeah. coat on so
0: always it's either always that or a, a clipboard
1: she's got a clipboard she's got a lab coat so you could do something with that
0: no, it was it was huge. We it was we covered this in the first uh, episode of this show because I love uh, House of X and Powers of Ten. I think other than Grant Morrison's new X Men, it is you know one of the best part you know uh, points in X Men history. And her mutant power was that she's a secret mutant that um, no one can detect that she's a mutant through conventional means or telepathy. Um, and she actually every time she dies she um the entire timeline restarts and she is returned back into in uterine with all the knowledge of her last previous lives and the entire not just her life all of the timelines restart and a new one starts and so basically they made it so that that she's been a secret mutant this whole time and this is now i think they were like this is her ninth life um, and she's trying something different this time, and has decided it's now time to let Professor X know the truth. And it jumpstarts the whole House of X, Powers of Ten, Krakoan era of the X Men. It's really cool. Um, so yeah, big big powers. That if she dies, she's resurrected and has the um, you know, time restarts, um, kind of like a save state in a video game. Um, and she remembers everything that happened, but no tail no (laughs) all
1: right well you know we'll get them next time maybe next
0: life that's for future authors to add if they want to which you know james you're a fantastic writer i hope someday you're given opportunities to add some lore to the comics and maybe if it's x-men you can put that in there i would love to i would love to i would i would absolutely love to read an x-men title with you uh, a part of it i think you'd actually have a lot of fun um, and do some cool things i have a lot of confidence in, in you as a writer and so i, I would. That. you're one of the few people i'd be like yeah i'd like james to actually be writing x-men i appreciate that i mean if it if it ever if
1: i ever had was lucky enough to make something like that happen i would be calling you'd you'd be getting a lot of text <laughs> more than usual text from me <laughs> going who I, is this
0: who, who? it <laughs> says i've seen a name here who is this <laughs> That's all I'm setting myself up to be at this point. It's kinda like the consultants that are on like TV shows that mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah, like yeah. the medical dramas. Like, so what's a what's a disease we can we can play around with what's and a I'll be like well, steamy. Yeah. <laughs> John, what's a what's a crazy weird mutant that we could bring back that would be like a crazy callback and be like, mm-hmm. Oh, I got five for you. That's gotcha. what I can that's Perfect. what I would be. People have asked me, they're like, uh, would you ever wanna like write X-Men? And my answer is always like no. I'm terrible at writing and I would ruin these characters that I love, but I would love if one of my friends who are good at writing got to do something like that. Um, I'll make some calls. Who knows? I'll make some calls. Well, the Marvel's uh, specifically introduced actually kind of a cool way to try out um, some writers in that with Marvel Unlimited, their subscription service to just read digital comics, um, they have a title that is, uh, you know, called Marvel Unlimited Um, and it's kind of like, uh, they're like web comics Mm -hmm. that you just, you, instead of like being like, there's no physical ish print of them. Mm -hmm. They're just on the app. I mean, often they're actually kind of often designed in a cool way where you're actually just reading it as like infinite scroll. You just keep scrolling down. It's not pages. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've actually like, it's since it's like low, low impact, you know, not a lot of stakes, you know, there's no cost really associated. Uh, can, same as like printing and all that kind of stuff um that's where they try out a lot of people and they also get to do a lot more um you know i guess socially interesting stories Mm -hmm. um you know i know that as a business they know that they can't just fully be um make everybody gay in all the comics and that kind of thing and be like outlandish about that but in like marvel unlimited stuff they're a bit more uh, open about like some extreme stories and some crazy ideas with characters, and are get to you know they've gotten to a lot more um, pride stuff and those kinds of issues. Um, so yeah, I, I I say all that because I'm like, well, it's not too far from the truth. You, you're you know, a big shot in Hollywood and, you know, you're, you're yeah. getting some uh, some credits under your belt with some of these uh, game writing opportunities you've been getting. And so maybe, you know,
2: you know it could happen. It uh, I'll, could happen. I'll
1: say this to your point about not wanting to do it. I, I completely understand that, and this is not meant to be a plug for me, but, like, Elise and I wrote Ghostbusters, which yeah. is a game that is that is supposed to adhere to the rules of the Ghostbusters that's come before and yeah. potentially the rules of ghostbusters that may come after and it's really intimidating because you're like all right well like some of this is like how much can you actually change and but how do you put your own stamp on it while also like making sure you're true to the voice of it and it's it's very very frightening you would think that in some ways it it would be more comforting cuz you can always look back and go like oh is this something ray would say because mm-hmm. you can verify it, as opposed to a brand new character, you're like, "How do I know I'm being true to this character when there's nothing that precedes it?" Um, but then at the same time, you're like, "What if my barometer's off? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> what if I'm completely wrong?" Or like, "I think this is the right thing," and then as soon as it gets out into the world, the vibe is that no, you had you completely misinterpreted this thing that you loved this yeah. whole time.
0: It's and it's a very public stage yeah. that you're performing in. Um, and you're, you're playing with very precious toys, mm-hmm. um, that you've wanted to play with for a very long time. And then when they got handed to you, you're like, oh crap, I, I might break these toys. Yeah. I, can I do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, but having, uh, been someone who played your video game, you did a good job. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. um uh, you, you, you didn't, uh, you, 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 you did good. Um, and, uh, so yeah, um, we can, that was a great tangent on writing. I love that. Uh, but this issue just kind of, uh, finishes out with a funeral. Um, it does have those three pages where Sage visits a uh, beast and kind of foreshadows him turning into a cat. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, read Grant Morrison's new X-Men. He kind of has a secondary mutation and now looks a little bit more like beast from beauty and the beast, but even more cat-like than beauty and the beast, beast. um, and, uh, spoiler, he evolves again sometime after that, because I guess apparently people were like, it's fun to change beasts. Cause I mean, he originally was just a, uh, hairless, you know, Caucasian, Man you know, with
1: big hands and big feet.
0: Yeah. And then he <laughs> turned into a gray beast like creature and then he turned into a blue one,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, which is what we see in the beginning of the series. Then he turned into a cat and then they turned him into a weird, even more ape like one that was not good. It was the worst of all of them they've done. Um, I think they go hairless.
1: I think that's the next just one. Go pack
0: just go back. No, no. It's
1: still, he's still got all the the, the weird cat <laughs> so, features, but it's hairless.
0: So he looks like those jacked mm-hmm. uh hairless cats oh, yeah, that you absolutely, can see yeah. every muscle. Yeah. That would be so frightening. <laughs> um, you
1: said it with a certain like thrill though, like you're
0: like, <laughs> it's scared, but I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are doing such crazy things with Beast right now. In fact, he's he's like he is half a step from being one of the worst villains uh, mm-hmm. in the X-Men. Um, he's gone full, like, uh, uh, just, uh, I am I know best mm-hmm. beast at this point. Um, I wouldn't mind any sort of, you know, change, because he has turned into a character that I'm like, you're meant to dislike at this point. Mm-hmm. You're meant to really hate what he's doing. Um, and uh, I, I, I like that, but I also at times, I like, I miss this beast where he's, he's cracking jokes and, mm-hmm. and reciting poetry Sipping and, tea uh, and stuff. Yeah. Wearing a, a, a floral shirt and uh, at the barbecue, that kind of thing. I like, I like that beast. He's mm-hmm. fun. Um, but yeah, so it ends with the funeral, uh, for Psylocke and it's very sad. Her brother shows up. Um, and, uh, and that's the end of issue three. And there's one more issue we covered, which is issue four, which we can wrap up with that um basically this is the one where gambit is introduced um again i love how you can kind of write these characters as being like as amazing as you want to and like so we've spent like three issues hyping up how powerful and you know you know murderous vargas is but then up against gambit gambit just uses his charm and his thieving abilities and he gets out alive i like it Um, is that how he got
1: out or did Vargas (laughs) want him
0: to get out? Uh (laughs) Aha. I mean, I think it's a little bit of column a a little bit of column B, but it's still impressive that, uh, he survived an Mm. encounter with Vargas. Not many people can say that. Um, I had to actually, sometimes I have to look up some of even his words that he uses. Oh yeah. I'm dating a Cajun and I've tried to glean some, Mm. um, of their vernacular, but there are special people with all kinds of words, um so if you ever find yourself doing that with with uh gambit sometimes they don't even spell the uh the colloquialisms correctly in the comics i have found because oh, <laughs> i think yeah. maybe chris heard it or saw at one point and just didn't realize the e is supposed to be in front of the eye or something like that yeah um but i love that character why why do you why do you why did you like gambit so much when you were a kid gambit was i mean he was
1: so 90s cool like i get <laughs> like he was such i don't i don't know. Any there were, t- I guess, there were two kinds of kids growing up. There were the kids, that, well, they maybe three, but let's say two. Um, let's there, say two. There were the, there were the Gamb, either you liked Gambit and Wolverine, right? Right. Or you liked Cyclops. And, uh, I think the Cyclopses are sociopaths. Um, I think they're the ones who were like, all I want to do is go to law school so that way I can like control you politically. Um, and then the, the the gambits are the gambits and the wolverines are a subgroup. People who are frustrated with like kind of the situation, society the at large, right? They're frustrated with it and they don't necessarily see morality as a as a as a line. It's a gradient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the the Wolverines just get angry about that and then the Gambin gambits see it as like this kind of like, well that's funny. That's that's a that's funny. Isn't it so funny how, you know, wealth is is not shared equally. And isn't that funny how so and so, you know, doesn't have to do homework this weekend or whatever. So like his personality already had that baked into it. But then you combine that that he he had like the big. Great trench coat he talked in a cool way he's got i think one of the best mutant powers because he's like got complete control over it and it's it's cool like it's cool yep. and has like no downside as far as i'm aware um <laughs> and uh and then he also has those things that were really really popular in the 90s which is a bodysuit that for some reason goes up to your hairline
0: yep <laughs> which yep. is
1: like everywhere. And, like that was like And you thing. obviously
0: wear you wear a trench coat yeah, over that bodysuit. But um, a, a brown leather trench coat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then like you were saying, then there's the third kids who are the little homosexuals who think that Jean Grey is really cute and want to wear a bodysuit like her.
1: Oh, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I would dress <laughs> as any of the X-Men, honestly.
0: <laughs> I I think that's a great uh delineation in fact, uh you're almost describing literally a uh event that happened in the X-Men called schism where Wolverine and Cyclops finally had it out and they split, you know, the X-Men dream and school, you know, down the middle. And some people went with Cyclops and formed a, a a little, uh, a a little utopian kind of Island off of San Francisco together. Um, And then you had the Wolverines, the ones who joined him and, you know, stayed at the school and kept teaching the kids and that kind of thing um listeners if you want to let me know just add us on social at class of x pod and let us know are you a cyclops or are you a gambit and wolverine you want you got <laughs> and block, you'll know you what you'll know what james those, thinks about you gotta you.
1: block those cyclopses real fast <laughs> here's the thing they'll go i'm a cyclops and but <laughs> here's what
0: i think is wrong with your podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yep. what's gonna happen um, I definitely was when I was younger, I was one of the Wolverine fans, but I, everything you're saying about Gambit, I thought that too, when he showed up because like cool costume, he even has gloves that it covers the, the two middle fingers, um, Mm -hmm. but leaves his like pointing finger and pinky exposed. Um, you know, what was cooler, in the nineties than like someone being able to do cool, like sleight of hand card tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, I know <laughs> he made it cool. I mean, it's not he cool, when he made it cool.
1: But, yeah.
0: Um, had a cool bow staff yeah. that would, that was also awesome. Like, and, you know, and then his
1: relationship with rogue. I mean, it's like f- for me, rogue is, she's, she's the girl. She is, she is correct. She is the girl, right? Like, and correct. And I mean, you could, probably do 45 podcasts on Rogue's personality and what makes her so compelling but like the two of them together were great because he's like peppy lepew he has yeah. this relentless pursuit of her that mm-hmm. seems it seems like it's motivated by the fact that he knows he can't have her like physically he can't have her because it's of her power but then they they even like in the comics but then also in the cartoon like they carve out these tender moments where like he's like no 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 i'm i'll be there for you emotionally i genuinely like your personality like you know like and so i think their relationship is is pretty fantastic and so that was definitely another thing i was like well i would i would want to be with rogue too and he wants to be with rogue so like yeah for sure gambit
0: yeah Uh, a hundred percent agree great character glad he made his way into this uh comic um and actually he kind of sticks with the comic almost all the way to the end um uh he doesn't really show up in grant morrison's new x-men they often like when they um when they split these titles to the authors they all have to kind of like stake a claim over a character Mm -hmm. um so that people don't have like mixed up you know continuities um and so i gambit kind of like got uh uh, flagged for wanting to be on this it's kind of like uh it's the reason why grant morrison added a secondary mutation to emma frost who you've seen in like even the movies where she's originally a telepath um the white queen telepath mm. but then she also develops this ability to turn into living diamond um and that was actually born out of the fact that Grant Morrison wanted to have Colossus on his team. But for some reason, because of like him being used elsewhere, he couldn't have Colossus. So he was like, well, I like the secondary mutation idea. What if I made Emma basically, you know, a different kind of Colossus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's what, that's like the behind the scenes work. Um, but Gambit, is introduced into this issue. We kind of see him interacting with Vargas a little bit. Um, he, that's where that, uh, after Bishop gets pulled into dream time, you, what did you think about dream time, James?
1: Dream time was interesting. That that's, those are one of those fun things that really like, again, what was issue four, I believe. Right. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you're, you're really dumping a lot on me. Like <laughs> it's it, a lot. Cause it, the whole, the whole Thunderbird stuff is like, Oh, clever introduce this new guy to ask all those questions uh, more jarring is when a giant portal opens and, and that you don't even see yeah and then they're in australia and they're and then everyone else is like hey we're here too and it's like oh well we have this guy and he 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 spins his staff and he can make portals so that's what yep. that's what was happening there and you're like okay all right i believe you." <laughs> it was-
0: yep you kind of have to just kind of roll with it um even if you don't know who gateway is they kind of try to explain a little bit he is he is an australian aborigine who's um yep he has some of the most powerful uh uh transportation powers in all of the comics um they even kind of boost his powers a little bit later on he's able to go across great expanses even in space um but yeah. And they also drop a little bit of some Bishop lore that had never been said before and really hasn't been uh, looked into again, but that uh, Bishop is his like great, 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 great grandson kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which that's fun. And they do foreshadow the, uh, one of the big plot lines that's going to happen later on that something has to do somewhat with Gambit being some sort of conduit for a great uh, pillar into, into the skies. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, that's just a little bit of foreshadowing gives an opportunity for uh, Psylocke to kind of have a goodbye with uh, Bishop um, and all the other X-Men do conveniently show up and, and get that information as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, that's kind of like the little bit more of like Gambit and Vargas, but then we find our way to Destiny's home. And we get to have some fun stuff with a woman who is able to see the future. I think it's fun when you write in things like, she left a like she left a little care package for you and had your names on it, and even left a dress for Storm, um, because she can see the future. And that's probably something that's probably what you do mostly with that kind of ability is just surprise people with little gifts that they didn't know that was going to be there for them.
1: Yeah, I I thought it was funny because like this whole first arc is we have to find these texts we have to find the Mm -hmm. books and then it shows them like on a yacht headed to spain it shows them hanging out in a hotel cruising around in convertibles not really doing much looking (laughs) and then and then in this issue they're like maybe we should check destiny's house (laughs) and they're like does anyone have a key (laughs) and they're like no that's okay storm why don't you break the lock and i'm like there's gotta be You've been flying around for the last four issues. There's got to be a back to, there's going to be an easier way to get in here than the <laughs> lock can't be the only thing keeping you out.
0: Not only that, but it's a lock that she has a problem with. One of the greatest yeah. thieves of all time and lock picks. And she's like having an issue with it. I think Destiny did that on purpose. Destiny was like, I know they're going to try to break in. I'm going to put, I'm going to invest in a really good lock yeah. for this dumb door but the, in my Spanish villa.
1: I was like, the idea that they wanted, that they were like, oh, better watch out for the lock. I'm like, at this and at the same time, Bishop is like teaching Thunderbird, like how to better use his powers. I'm like, blow the door open. You can blow the door open. <laughs> It's gonna be fine
0: <laughs> that was one of those moments that i it never you know i just accepted comics so much more in 2001 mm-hmm. i was what 17 at the point um and but then reading through this again like i was reading through that the interaction with like uh bishop and and thunderbird and i was like oh yeah this is a fun little moment for him to do it and then he pulls out a, a puck and and I'm like, it's interesting that Bishop just had a steel puck mm-hmm. with him. Yep. Um, but then like the next one is an adamantium puck. Yeah, and I'm like, two
1: of those ready to go.
0: why does Bishop have two pucks? And one's made of one of the most precious metals in the entire planet that are that's like worth more than your life financially. But he just has one with him to teach Thunderbird a lesson. Yeah, he showed him. <laughs> <laughs> Never leave home without your adamantium puck. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you might need to use it great
1: stuff It's great stuff
0: you know as one of the tropes that happens quite often in x-men comics that i love is that they play baseball all the time um but um now i kind of want to see them play hockey because i guess you would need a really powerful puck you know if you want to play hockey with these superhuman strength people
1: which isn't that something that thunderbird calls out like when when bishop just pulls out this puck thunderbird's like i didn't know you played hockey
0: and he's like i don't yeah yeah this is my lucky puck and (laughs) this is my other lucky puck yeah (laughs) comics are funny i think it's hilarious because i don't i don't think even chris probably thought that was odd i think he thought this would be great this is a teaching moment Mm -hmm. you know they they're they're developing thunderbird because yeah prior to this he's 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 like shown like not a lot of skill with his powers they need to like in this story he's going to get even better and better about it so this would be a great moment for it Mm -hmm. it's like a puck that's what we'll do it with is a puck yep um Maybe he was just into hockey a lot at that point, Chris. Um, But yeah, they go to uh, Destiny's house finally um, to make some progress in finding the diaries, which at this point they still haven't found a single book. Um, And they still don't because at the end of this, they find out that Vargas has one of the books. And so they are still, you know, oh, for a few books um, and haven't made any progress. Um, But, you know, on the brighter side, Storm does have a really nice dress now.
1: Yeah. Um, no, oh man, that, that was the highlight, honestly, this whole thing is that like is that is that there's a dress and then Storm comes out in the dress and they're like, Whoa, Storm, you really who would have thought that you, someone who walks around in a skin tight bodysuit that barely covers any of your any of your body, would look good in a dress. Yeah, and then, and then, I get it. And then like Bishop is something like she's like you're in, you're intimidating me, Bishop, and he's like I'm meaning to, and I'm like what is happening here? <laughs> a little
0: bit of fan service, you know, I guess. I it's it's obviously fan service. So there's a lot of fan service in comics. I mean, I was even that that panel that I was calling out where uh, Psylocke is leaping across mm-hmm. the page and is talking about her telekinetic sword. She's also like in that typical almost like spider-man pose where your knees are out but your feet are touching bottom to bottom Mm -hmm. and she's flying through the air but it's just a straight on shot of her crotch um i mean Psylocke's costume in general is all fan service um uh that's why i love you know i love anytime they actually do that with the male characters at all i always call it out of like colossus is one of the few people that they let show skin Mm -hmm. um but even him early on, I, I've said this before on the show. They drew him in pants for his costume. His costume had blue pants, but when he turned into Colossus, those went away, and you, they showed his full like metal thighs and all that kind of stuff. And the reason why is because the artist at the time thought that it looked weird just showing a man's open thighs. Mm-hmm. Um, straight people, yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, like this panel. Uh, this, pa- this page, like, just a few pages prior to her coming down in her dress is a full body shot of Storm. And, yeah, her, like she's wearing a, a swimsuit, essentially, with thigh-high boots. Yeah. And she's showing all of her thighs. But they're like, who knew? Uh,
1: <laughs> who knew
0: that this literal goddess that we have known um, for who knows how many years, because time is wonky in comics. um. But, man, she sure does clean up. She cleans up nice. Yeah. Um, it's nice it's those it, it's silly but also i like those human moments mm-hmm. um i i think uh even you understand this um you being somebody with an impressive physique but you still like uh i'm sure appreciate when people you know appreciate it and oh, call yeah. it out absolutely it's you know you, you're doing all that work it'd be nice if people could notice it sometimes yeah i would be um,
1: surprised though because i you know i've been i've been accused of wearing pretty tight shirts and tight pants and and such yeah. you know i would be surprised though if if someone who's around me all the time like i i was like all right i'm gonna put on a tank top and i came out <laughs> and they're like whoa whoa there fellow, where those come from you know <laughs> i would be like yeah yeah i yeah. mean it's it's always there nothing really changed if anything i'm wearing more clothes now <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, maybe they just because they're always in uniform. It's pr- it's probably one of those things. It's like um when you always see somebody dressed a certain way and then they uh mm-hmm. they change it up mm-hmm. for the first yeah, time yeah. in a long time. It, it is it is a little bit like that. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. Even though, yeah, you're right. She's she's always showing plenty of skin, as most of the female characters do, except for row because she can't touch people. Even I mean, even um, the
1: men are covered, but it's it's still skin tight. Like you can see the vascularity of their of their thighs through their pants so it's like you know what's the point
0: there there are there's quite off there's not very often baggy clothes Mm -hmm. on any of these characters um you know even when they're wearing you know uh like long trench coats they still draw them in ways where the trench coats always open showing the curvature of their buttocks yep um which i'm not i'm not complaining about i'm actually in this conversation i just scrolled up and saw the cover of issue four it's just sage kneeling down with us just seeing her back and just getting a very you know ripe image of her buttocks Mm -hmm. um that i'm sure an artist took an hour to draw in perfection um but it's like the typical like female superhero thing of like have them facing away from the camera Mm -hmm. but then looking back so we see their face but also their butt yeah um masochism aside um the misogyny, not masochism, misogyny aside, uh, another M word. Uh, yeah, this issue just ends in that where they finally have like their, you know, they kind of have a, a base of operations now at Destiny's home. It's rogues now. Destiny left it all. Even in this issue, they can't. They still, Chris couldn't still write that it was a uh, that like Destiny and Mystique were married mm-hmm. and this was their kid um, that they adopted and that's why she's leaving it to her one heir. Um, because they still can't fully say that. But, I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much subtext of them being two lesbians who adopted a mutant daughter. Yeah. Um, but now they have base of operations in Destiny's house. Um, Vargas has more games to play and now has one of the books and is going to use it against them. And it's going to just kind of... This is kind of an introduction arc. You know, it's like there's some stakes that, are, that mean something in this with the death of a team member and all that. But for the most part, this is Chris setting up more that's to come um, there. They do take a trip at one point uh, to the Savage lands, which is this like place where dinosaurs still exist in the North pole. Um, they fight a alien invasion. That is actually pretty awesome that I'm actually like, I'm going to keep rereading this and keep going through because I still love this. Um, uh, but the extreme X-Men is this, this is kind of the intro stuff. So I'm curious at this point now that we've talked about this for a while, you come at this from an angle of somebody who has, you know, some contextual knowledge of these characters. You went on Wikipedias, you've you've read some of the comics, you, you know, watched the cartoon. Did you feel like this was accessible? to you or do you th- feel like even for you it was difficult or d- what's your thoughts on this as being like uh, something for people to pick up?
1: No, was, this is, I mean, this is one of those entry points. Like I think if you are going to read comics, you want to find an entry point and, um, and this felt like one again, like it, you just have to get past that, those first humps of you're going to be reminded of everyone's powers several times. Like it's not for, even if you know, it's not for you just appreciate how f- much effort Chris puts into the language with which he describes said powers and said motivations and stuff like that. But I think it, it does set off like a pretty interesting story. You get, you get a villain, you get a, a journey kind of motivation. And I, I they have a quest. You have a quest. I ended up reading uh issue five, which, you know, like really moves things in a different direction and starts introducing new characters. You can see how things are going to start splintering off. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, it feels like a game of Thrones, right? Like, the the first season it's like all starks but then you fast forward to season five and you're like who are these people so like this this, (laughs) you know it's a pretty good i think this is a pretty good entry point and i'm i'm planning on continuing to read it as well just because again i have that relationship from in college getting like that overall summary but never having the access to be able to do it um you yeah that's kind- you having read it in the early 2000s the idea of waiting a month for another one would be I would <laughs> there's no way there's no way I could ever do that but having it all now in a volume which you can get for a very reasonable price I was like yeah this is great this is fun you can you can blast through like two comics two issues in like 15 minutes or something like that and then and yeah. again the art is incredible in this series I I love the look of it and uh yeah and it's fun it's fun
0: yeah salvador uh laroca he was able to draw for the first 24 issues So you have 24 issues of his art and then it got handed over to um igor cordy um uh but yeah that was also one of the main reasons why i love this that uh, the art is beautiful it's a lot of color beautiful color work i think the colorist was actually goes under the name liquid um And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, this is, I love this. This is so fun. I I think it's crazy that alongside one of the other greatest runs of X-Men, new X-Men, this came out as well. Um, I don't, I didn't even know at the time it was Chris Claremont. I didn't really follow authors at the time when I was younger. Um, but now as I get older and realize that they kind of have a bit of a say in how good these stories are, um, it makes sense to kind of like follow them around. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm there with you on like, it's very nice to pick up things like this where you can just have a big old, it's like a big old book, you know, it's mm-hmm. not just an issue. You got a big old book to read and that's fun. Um, I still to this day, you know, I'm obviously buying comics as they come out um, because I, I want to, I don't want, I, I want to kind of keep up to speed on them. But yeah, I, I, I get sad when I get the end of each issue and I'm like, well, I want to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even like, because my memory is so bad, I often, by the time the next issue comes out, I'm like, I got to skim through that last issue that came out. Cause I can't remember exactly everything that happened, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to how you're reading this where you just like issue to issue, to issue. And I, I can recall everything that happened because I just read it 15 minutes ago. Um, I'm glad to hear that you enjoy this. I'm glad to hear that. It sounds like you're going to continue on and finish it. um, Or, or take it to the point where you get bored of it. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, which happens. People fall off. Um, uh, I, I look forward to getting texts from you on uh, your reactions, or if there's any questions you have about any weird new characters. Um, They, they, they do actually even introduce a few new mutants in this title um, uh, that are, are fun um uh, especially there's a chris claremont loves introducing female characters he's a big he loved writing the, the ladies mm-hmm. and he introduced a, a brand new one uh like issue it was like 15 or 20 issues into this kind of thing maybe a little less than that he's like if i can um, create him, i can kill him off <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even technically create psylocke um but he did write her a lot mm-hmm. um uh, that's also gotta be just a fun thing. Again, talking about being a writer and worrying if you're going to land it. Right. Although I'm sure Chris doesn't care at this point because he's again. Yeah. He's like, these are my characters. You plebs are lucky enough to read my characters. Um, but to kill a character for that's been around for forever. That's a lot. What if you killed one of the ghostbusters?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, I guess I could. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just do it just if they if they ever call you up again yeah, just yeah. like be like they all died yeah Lewis Tully gets uh <laughs> he gets caught in the
1: crossfire <laughs> yeah we open on the funeral of Louis Tully yeah 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 that's how you get people to really like you by the way when you work in properties that have existed that are people love with all of their hearts is you you open with a funeral for one of their favorite characters <laughs> It'd be memorable. It would be memorable. You'd be known for something, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, you got to leave your legacy. Sometimes you got to be known for things that are bad, too. Mm -hmm. That's fine. People remember you. Well, James, I so appreciate your time. This was an absolute delight. You you know, I don't want to uh, put you up on a pedestal, but you definitely were like uh, one of the white whales of friends of mine that I knew I wanted to try to wrangle into doing this, uh, mostly because you are one of those nerds who pokes fun at nerdery mm-hmm. as much as you are like knowledgeable about nerdy. Cause even in this podcast, <laughs> you made multiple references to like, you know, anime um, and, and plenty of things that are just nerdy, but you're also like, it's all that inside the package of the big jock who should be like beating down on the nerds, but he's the jock who's just like, well, in Jojo's bizarre adventure, actually. I,
1: I think so often about that time we were playing board games online do you remember this? We were playing board games online and we were talking about Nightcrawler. Yeah. And and I, I was I was doing the thing where I was like making fun of your knowledge of yeah, Nightcrawler. Yeah, you do. That. And, and it was something is something to the effect of like, oh, yeah, well, why does he fight with swords or whatever? And before you could answer, I was like, I was like, probably because he watched swashbuckling films growing up and he loved them. Like, and you're like, that's the answer. And I'm like, oh, like, the, the thing is, like, because if you want like, again, I, I, I think this this art is fantastic. I love it. But I also appreciate yeah. it where it falls within the rung of culture. And and so if you're going to mock that, you have to know it so that way you can show your appreciation for it while you're still doing the poking the nerd thing.
0: Isn't that like Mark Wahlberg's character in the the other guys? Yeah, I think where he he learned to dance ballet so he can make fun of the ballet dance to be clear
1: i don't i don't inform myself of things to a greater degree no 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 but i do i appreciate the nerd aspect of it and like i think it's funny me like loving this stuff as a nerd and then trying to step away from it and not being able to is is to me what's funny about it
0: i had to learn and i'm still bad at it i had to learn to not get pulled into (laughs) your little traps <laughs> that you set because you know how to set these traps like that's one you were setting for me because you know like you even like even elise and because i've recorded with her last week she even knew that she's like all i gotta do is say a mega mutants and he's he's gonna he's gonna want to talk about them and that kind of thing and and so because pe- I, I am i'm easily i easily succumb to people like being like hey john so like what, what kind of uh, what kind of uh, uh, ruby quartz does Cyclops have in his advisor uh, visor? Why is that there? <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it's like I would happily spend an hour describing to you where that came from and why it's that way and that kind of thing. Um, but that's just because I really like these characters. I'm sure there are. I'm sure I could do the same thing. Actually, I can't. I was going to say I could do the same thing with like wrestling with you, but I don't know jack squat about you know, wrestling. Lore you should too.
1: learn, and then that way you can destroy me in situations like that. <laughs>
0: I will. I'll try. I'll try. I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was a kid because my mom thought it was too violent.
1: Well, now you But she let comics. me read these comics. Yeah, I was gonna say it was <laughs> Psylocke's leaping
0: at you, <laughs> the legs akimbo. I, I. It makes me think of uh the trading cards. Um. Did you ever have the? Did you ever see the trading cards where they released these nine that were like the beach poses of the X Men? And they were these like hypersexualized drawings of all of the, of different X-Men in their beach wear on the beach, all sweaty and showing all ripplies, everything. Um, and I think it was Tony, our friend, who sent me a picture. And he's like, he's like, I, it was like a picture of one of the guys. Mm-hmm. And he's not even like fully like naked. He's like, got his, his trunks on, it might've been like Bishop or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, but he's just like, he's, he's showing all of it. And he's like, Even when I was a kid, I thought this was naughty for some reason.
1: (laughs) I I definitely had those swimsuit issues. Yeah. Like it's Wolverine in a thong.
0: Yeah. 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 uh, Um, yeah. All muscles and all hair showing, um, much less to speak of like the female ones where they're all in bikinis Mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, But yeah, there's definitely straight up pornography in here, but I love it. It's awesome.
1: (laughs) Well done. Well done. I say.
0: Well done, Salvador. Yeah. Um, well, well done, James. Appreciate you being here. Um, if uh, people were to want to, to find out, if you listen to more of your dulcet tones or even see your, your visage, um, where would you like to send them?
1: Uh, I mean, you can always find me making content at youtube.com slash fun um, Other than that, I just kind of pop up every now and again in different fun Cool, exciting external adventures that I can find. Nothing going on at the moment that I that I haven't already mentioned. But, um, but yeah, uh, Twitter, James Willems uh, yeah, yeah, great stuff. I,
0: I recommend it. I recommend it, and especially if you uh, if you're a fan of, of that wrestling stuff. Mm-hmm. James uh, James will happily uh, talk about it. Absolutely. I might have even had a podcast about it for a while. Maybe. Um, Whatever
1: happened to that? <laughs> we had that season finale, and what happened? <laughs>
0: you know if i've learned anything from comics it can still come back that's true it can still come back yeah there's nothing nothing ever is gone extreme um, with
1: a new extreme
2: title. <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> yes no e yeah yeah um i like that um which actually works really well with wrestling because that's how silly that stuff is as well um anyways thank you so much thank you so much to you the audience for listening appreciate you guys hanging out um this was a really fun one i'm so glad we got to get through extreme x-men would love to hear your thoughts about this book if you read it um and love to hear your thoughts on anything about this episode and if you want to uh check out even more about the show i encourage you to check out the patreon patreon.com slash class of x um other than that until next time uh i'll see you then bye